Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 72 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Mary Lou Reese. Mary Lou is from Houston, Texas, and she is a highway contractor who owns a construction company that builds concrete structures for highways, which is just awesome. I love talking to a woman who's doing something so cool. Well, thank you, Jen, for having me this morning. I'm super excited to be here. I have been doing this intermittent fasting since April 8th of last year. Of 2019. Yes. Yeah. You're a podcast listener, so you know I like to start off by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting back in April? (laughs) Well, actually, in January, I heard about it. I had a trip to the Philippines planned in late March. 
And my daughter went to her OB a couple of years after her baby was born, or not even quite a couple of years, but the OB, she was telling her obstetrician that, that she was having trouble losing that weight after the baby. And she'd been doing orange theory and, you know, hitting it hard and trying hard and working hard. And she said, I just can't do it. And the OB said, well, you know, there's this thing called intermittent fasting and the science behind it is really good. Maybe you ought to look into it. I love that. Yes, but didn't mention your book. Yeah, but I, I love when doctors bring it up though. When doctors say, try intermittent fasting. That's how we know that it is mainstream and good for us. <laughs> Yes. And that was a year ago, which I feel like it's more mainstream right now than it was a year ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, she decided to try it and didn't tell me about it for, oh, I don't know, three weeks or so. But sometime late January, early February, she told me about intermittent fasting. She's the one who got on and Googled it and found your book and read your book and dove right in and has continued. Awesome. So it's been really successful for us. She's super happy with it, partly because it's so flexible. Right. She told me about it and I went, huh, you know, I might be able to do that. But I've been super happy with my weight for 15 years. So I thought I was super happy with my weight. And when she told me about it and I said, yeah, I think I, I can do that. I waited until after the Philippines trip. I have no idea why I did that because it, their breakfasts were not worth eating over there. <laughs> That's like most breakfasts, right, though? When, when I'm traveling, I find that most breakfasts are just not worth opening my window for. Oh, that's right. I actually now love the fact that I will say that if I ever go back to the Holy Land, I love their breakfast. They're so savory and varied and, you know, they've got just really interesting things, mostly cheese at breakfast. Ooh, I would, yes, I would open my window for that. But like any kind of continental breakfast, forget it. <laughs> Right. So anyway, but I waited till I was back from the Philippines and then I just dove in. And the first day I sent her, the, I only know what day I started, which was April 8th, because I sent her a text saying at noon, okay, I'm ready to eat my arm off. <laughs> and she said, well, yeah, just be patient. So anyway, I, that's when I started and my daughter brought me to it and I just love it. I'm so glad. So the first day, what, what were you trying to, were you trying to jump right in with like a, a short window? No, I was trying to get to like two or three o'clock. Yeah. So I don't know. Is that a short window? That's, you know, really that's an ambitious start, you know, for someone who's it's on their first day. And some people, you know, I've got a new book coming out June of 2020 coming up soon. I have several different approaches for easing in, or there's one called the rip the bandaid off approach. <laughs> For people who want to just jump right in. And that that's more like what you did. Trying to wait till two or three on the first day is ripping off that band. <laughs> yes, yes. But, you know, within a couple of weeks, I realized that OMAD was, OMAD, one meal a day was going to be my sweet spot also. Because it just was after I got adjusted, it was just easy for me. It really is right. I can't even imagine eating two meals a day or three meals a day every day, ever again for the rest of my life. I just can't even imagine it. So I have recently started opening my window a bit earlier. I kind of settled into a two to three hour window. And my husband, 
Man, I'd been on it about three weeks when he said, I want you to read the book to me while we're driving. Oh, I love that. And so I did. Yes, apparently his A1C had kind of crept up. And his doctor had said, ooh, you're almost in that pre-diabetic range. He's always been tall and lean. But he, you know, in the last 20 years, we're in our 60s, he had gained a little. And I didn't realize he really was motivated to lose. But in fact, he was. And he just jumped right in with me. I love it. So you did it about three weeks and then he jumped right in. Yes, I read your book to him while we were driving from Houston to Dallas. You know, I would have read it to him if you if you wanted to have him listen to the audible version. I would have read it to him for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But, you know, that's just not our MO. So I get it. No, I, I love that you read it to him. That makes me happy. <laughs> so he jumped right in and y'all are doing it together. We are. We are. We're doing it together. And we both love it. We've both been highly successful. He drinks a, a little more wine in the evening. And I think so he's lost about 20-ish pounds, maybe a little more. My daughter's lost 25-ish, and I've lost almost 30. Wow. And see, that's interesting because you said you didn't even feel like you had weight to lose when you when you started. Like, you were happy with your weight. You were happy. Right, because I've been that weight a long time. I well, haven't always been this weight. I've been heavier. For a hot minute, I was thin. But, Jen, I come to this... In an entire, my body comes to this in an entirely different place than yours did. I have never in my life gone on a fad diet. Wow. I cannot name you a named diet I've been on. See, I love that. I love that you have never done it. I'm not a fad person. Yeah, Yeah, but see, I was. I jumped on every single fad because that was going to be the one that was going to work, you know. And So you never had that yo-yo thing going on like so many of us do. Well, I've yo-yoed twice, a little yo-yo, not big yo-yo. My first time was between my two pregnancies. Now, I'm 64. The my, I have a set of twins that are 34, going to be 35 this year. Mm, or maybe 35, going to be 36. I know, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, you kind of lose track after a while. Uh, but anyway, I have a set of boy-girl twins. Between my two pregnancies, I decided I I saw a picture and decided I really need to lose weight. And I did the only thing I knew to do, which was calorie restriction. Right. And I didn't really count calories, but I knew what I was eating. I'm not a data person. So you're a data person. I am the most random person in the world. I can't even keep up with a measurement. But I'm not a data person. So I did the only thing I knew to do, which was calorie restriction, eat healthy. And I did, you know, steamed vegetables and extreme calorie restriction. I got down 50 pounds that time, 50. Wow. To my hot minute then. Oh, yeah. And then I got pregnant and had a set of twins. I gained 67 pounds never got back to that hot minute then again. And I'm still not there and I don't really need to be there. Yeah, I I love how you explained that because I did the same exact thing. I would call it hot minute then and I've never been back there. I'm 5'5". So the thinnest I ever remember getting in my adult life, I got down to 118 for a hot minute. (laughs) And it was way back in the 90s when we were doing the low fat. But I look at myself in those photos from that time and it was way before I had kids, but I didn't really look very healthy. I was super thin. I looked kind of sick. Were you also kind of low, doing low fat at that time? 
I wasn't really doing low fat because I am an obsessive personality. And one of the reasons that intermittent fasting works for me is that if I tell myself that you can't have something, I learned early that as soon as I had one little ink of that, I was dead meat. You know, I was down the road eating it all. And so I didn't. I had sort of this weekend weekday thing. I could have a dessert on the weekends. I could whatever. And I lost 50 pounds. And I, of course, I, I got pregnant. Oh, after my pregnancy, I, of course, I gained some from the pregnancy and I didn't lose it all. I did not lose all of that 67 pounds when I had the babies. I did lose back to where I thought I was kind of okay. And then I crept up over the years. So when my children were in middle school, I did not weigh. I looked at my, what I know now to be an over 200 pound body. And I really wanted to do a canoe trip. So I wanted to do a five or six day canoe trip into Canada with the kids. And I looked at that body. I got sick and I looked at that body and I went, I can't do it. How am I going to get in and out of those canoes? Oh, yeah. And so I decided I was going to do calorie restriction again. I'd done it before. I can do it again. And I'd gotten sick. So I was already started. So I don't really know where I was at my very heaviest. That was my very heaviest. But you know it was over 200. Oh, yes. Because when I finally weighed, I was at 197. Okay. And you had already lost some by then. So, yeah. So it's true, though, because... I was like that when I when I weighed 210 pounds. I really don't know. Maybe I was heavier than that at one point. I, I, I wasn't weighing. During that period of time when my weight got so high, I wasn't weighing. I was a little bit in denial. And it was that photo that I saw after being on the cruise that really I was like, ooh, I can't be in denial anymore. And that's when I pulled my scale back out and got on it and said, you know, this wishful thinking that it's just going to come right off. It's not going to. I'm going to have to do something because my weight was just going up and up and up. And I was also victim to stretchy clothes. I had all these stretchy clothes. Really, like I had, I was wearing leggings and dresses with empire waist. Like I was wearing dresses over leggings that were stretchy and tunics. And so it's really easy to have your weight just, I mean, you can go up 20 pounds and those clothes still fit. Right. And I will say that you can go down 30 pounds and still wear the same clothes. <laughs> so I am actually doing a little of that. I did put on something yesterday and I said to Scott, does this look too big? And he went, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I went, oh, okay. It feels fine. I'm into comfy clothes. You know, I'm not a, it's not going to be hard for me to be comfortable because that's that's my MO. Yeah, we were having a, a, a conversation. Somebody on Facebook was talking about jeans as formal wear. And, and, and like, <laughs> do you wear jeans when you're lounging around the house? Or do you, you know, take your jeans off and put on something stretchy? Well, I'm like sitting here for whatever reason. We're recording this at nine in the morning. For whatever reason, if I'm going to record a podcast, even though you can't see me and I can't see you, I still have to like have my shower and get dressed and put on my makeup. I don't know why. It's just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I got to be ready well, for the day to work, but I'm sitting here wearing jeans and <laughs> they're comfy <laughs> to me. I wear my jeans around the house. I get dressed every single day, even though I work from home. Well, when I was, I do too. And I also work from home a lot because my business is actually in Kansas and I am now in Houston, Texas because of my husband. He's a 
United Methodist pastor. He's a bishop in the Methodist Church, and we got assigned to the Texas Annual Conference. So, oh, I was raised Methodist. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so that's where I am, and I do work from home a lot. So. I am also dressed. I even put my earrings in for whatever reason. <laughs> I usually do too. I put on my jewelry. I get dressed. <laughs> I'm wearing shoes. Of course, they're comfy shoes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everything I have is comfy. I, I don't do non-comfy. I also am a super random person so that I am, and I know you kind of are, you have a little, maybe you've mentioned a little ADHD or maybe. I absolutely do. Yeah. So I am kind of like that. And so I'm, you know, squirrel, I'm off the chart on that. And I am the most random person many people have ever met, but that is one of the reasons I really like this way of eating. Because it's flexible, right? You can do what you want within your time frame and you can move your time frame, which we do. I mean, we have lunches on Sunday. I'll eat a lunch on Sunday and then do a 27 hour fast sometimes or sometimes not. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. If you wanted to that day have lunch and dinner, you totally could. Or you could just have a longer fast. Yeah, I'm the same way. I usually, if I have lunch, end up having dinner just because I have learned for me eight hours after lunch, I'm going to be hungry. So if I don't have dinner, I'm going to be hungry around, you know, eight or nine o'clock, like hungry, like I need to eat. For me, that's that's why eating my meal early doesn't work because I have a really hard time pushing through 8 p.m. hunger. So I just say, all right, I'm just, and I usually just have a smaller dinner. I eat less food on that day if I have two meals. But I admire people who can have that middle of the day window and then just go on to bed. <laughs> I am able to do that, but I have always been a person. My body has always responded well to whatever I do. So I can function without sleep. I can function without food. I can function without, and I've always known that my body functions. You are, you're, you're a survivor. You could just get through whatever tragedy and <laughs> work through it, right? Yes. I mean, you know, tragedies are a separate well, item. And, and I was and thinking I of the am, zombie apocalypse, which is really, you know, not, <laughs> <laughs> not even real. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't ever really seen it. I can just imagine what the zombie apocalypse is. You would be building the highways. <laughs> I would be. <laughs> I, I watched The Walking Dead. So I imagine you probably do not, but I never thought I would like that show. It's, I'm like, People were going crazy about it for years. I'm like, I am not into that kind of thing. Zombies, absolutely not. So then I started watching it and I got hooked. So <laughs> I like to imagine people, you know, would they survive the zombie apocalypse? And Mary Lou, I can tell you would. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would. I probably would. I'm, I'm definitely. A, I will say one of the things about that eating window is that I have started now. I also in Houston have discovered that I have a wonderful neighbor who is, you know, she's six inches shorter than me and I'm five, four, not even quite five, four. And she is teeny tiny and she is super fit. So we ride our bikes together and she's been on this 20 miles a day ride wow. trying to get trained for an uphill ride that she did over Thanksgiving. So for the longest time I was riding my bike with her uh, three to five days a week, 20 miles. Wow. Well, that's a lot of exercise for 
one meal. Oh, yeah. And almost instantly when I started fasting, I started getting night cramps. And I got on the Facebook page and typed out, okay, obviously I'm missing something in my diet that I had no idea about, but I'm getting these night cramps. And I don't know, 10 people got on and said, oh, you need magnesium. And I said I was eating a banana, but they said, oh, you need magnesium. And I went, oh. So I Google what has magnesium and discover that peanut butter, almonds, cashews, all have a lot of magnesium as well as whole wheat bread. Uh huh. So I thought to myself, huh, you know, that dirty little indulgence that I was having every noon of a peanut butter and honey sandwich was doing something for my body. You know, and maybe were you, did you all of a sudden start craving that sandwich before, and you hadn't been before? Because I believe that our bodies direct us to eat the things that we need. Like, here's an example. I was like, I'm going to see, you know, we we joined a new meal company since Plated went out of business and or went out of the subscription business. And I was like, I'm going to try. I just want to see how I'll feel because I've been eating a little less meat recently. I was like, I want to see how I feel without eating meat. I just want to see. Probably two weeks, no meat. And then I'm like craving meat. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, all right, my body is letting me know that somewhere between zero meat and meat every day is my sweet spot. But zero meat is not it. I think that we do learn from our cravings what what we're missing. So I'm like really craving some red meat. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps that's right. And I will say for me, The thing that happened to me is I woke up one morning, middle of my fast at three o'clock in the morning, and I could not get a peanut butter sandwich out of my head. (laughs) I mean, I'd probably been fasting at that point about four months. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I'm in the middle of my fast. And I just kind of said, okay. And I went downstairs, fixed myself a half a peanut butter and honey sandwich, ate it, drank a glass of milk and went back to bed. (laughs) So... Love it. I love it. (laughs) And I now have been trying when I'm traveling, I carry a little jar of peanut butter with me and I don't have to do it if I'm not uber exercising. Right. Because I'm also taking 400 milligrams of magnesium a day. Now I have not ordered the kind that you like, which I am going to, because I think I'm not really absorbing it all that well. Well, it's hard to know. You know, I'm, I don't know that the one I take is, you know, anything special, but I remember years ago, there was some kind of graphic floating around, which I realize now has been debunked because the author of the book, The Magnesium Miracle, has debunked this this graphic that says that magnesium citrate is like so supposedly bad. There's some study that was misinterpreted and made people think citrate wasn't right, but she debunks that. She's like, no, citrate is fine. Citrate is great. So, but when I saw that graphic before I really dug into the the science behind it with the author of the magnesium miracle, I was like, well, let me switch my magnesiums. And I tried a different form. I think it was magnesium glycinate. At first I was like, yeah, this is a great switch. But over time I realized that the things that the other magnesium had been helping me with were were starting to get worse again. So I switched back to the one I had been using for years and there we are. I really also think that we're different. Like maybe certain magnesium, maybe magnesium glycinate is exactly right for one person. But for me, this it's a citrate oxide blend and it works really, really well for me. A citrate oxide. I keep thinking I'm going to order it because it's available on Amazon, but I haven't gotten that done yet. And so I, um, I get it on Amazon 
I'm always careful to, to see who I order it through ever since my book was pirated. Yeah. <laughs> I don't order it through some kind of weird seller. And I don't just add to cart, you know, and order it from whoever has it the cheapest. I actually go to the list of sellers that are selling it new and I look for a company that I've heard of. I think Swanson's Vitamins sometimes has it. They're a very reputable company, but I'm not going to buy it from a third party seller named like Vitamin OK USA or something, you know. <laughs> very careful about ordering on Amazon. I want to make sure I'm getting it from someone reputable. So just my little caveat. Actually, I b- ordered your book during the the counterfeit. Yeah, the counterfeit time. But I will say that I'm at least aware enough that I I looked at the two different things and went, oh, I'm just going to buy from the real one. Oh, did you? So you, at the I time, you, you went at oh, the time. Yay! <laughs> And I really, this is, this is something, and I haven't talked about it on the podcast, maybe on this one, I don't know if I've ever talked about it, but Amazon really has an issue with third-party sellers who may not be selling their genuine items. And so you have to make sure, just for anybody who doesn't know, I know Mary, Mary Lou does, but if you've never heard this before, look and see when there's the buy box. It's where we're buying our product. When you click add to cart, that's called the buy box. And Amazon changed their policies, I believe it was in 2018, to a, they used to always be the one in the buy box. It was always Amazon. But then they changed it, and it was supposed to benefit the consumer. And so they changed it so that whoever was offering the best deal won the buy box. So if someone had a product, they were selling it for less, and it was Amazon Prime, they would be the one in the buy box. So you click add to cart thinking you're buying from Amazon, but you're really buying from a third-party seller. Maybe Amazon's fulfilling the order, but you're not buying it from Amazon. You're buying it through Amazon instead. So that's what happened to my book in 2018. Counterfeit versions got out there. Someone actually retyped the whole book. I can't even imagine. I mean, I can't either. And people are like, I don't think that's true. Someone didn't retype it. They must have scanned it. I'm like, well, here's how we know it was retyped. Because I am old school. I was trained to type back in the 80s when I was in high school. We learned how to put two spaces after a period, right? Right. Well, that's not what they're doing now. Now they're putting one space after a period. I typed my entire new book with two spaces after the period. And that was the first thing the copy editor said, removed all the extra periods. I'm like, oops. (laughs) But (laughs) the, the, the fake version of my book had one space after every period. Also, there was a place where something was accidentally italicized and it wasn't in the original. And they also, the spacing on the pages was different. And they even fixed one of my typos. Oh. Which is hilarious. (laughs) And the font was slightly different. So, you know, there was a typo on the back cover of the fake book. Like, it was ridiculous. Actually, they were like two types. It was ridiculous. And I was so embarrassed that anyone thought that (laughs) I made that typo on the back cover of my book. I mean... (laughs) Well, I did. When you posted that, I did go to my book to look to make sure, but I was pretty sure before I went to it that I had the real one because I had remembered looking at these two and thinking, uh, and going with the real one. So never buy it from anything from a third-party seller unless it's a third-party seller you trust. Now, I don't want to you know, upset all the people who are legitimately selling good products on Amazon as third-party sellers, but you know, you have to protect yourself as a consumer. You don't want to get counterfeit products. And it's something Amazon is really trying to combat. But, you know, it, it went on for months before I figured it out. And it cost me thousands of book sales. 
Oh, I'm sure. Although you're already on the New York well, Times. Thank you. Well, not New York Times, but I'm on the Amazon oh. best, Amazon bestseller list. Yeah, over the holidays, right after all the news stories came out, my book it went up as high as number thirty three of all books on Amazon. Oh wow! I mean, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, thirty three. Of- super exciting. All books on Amazon. So- Congratulations. Thank you've you. done a, you've done a great service. I wish I'd known about you when I was 30 because it would have helped my life. But I uh, am happy that I know about you now and I'm so happy that people like my daughter and and other people in the younger group get the advantage of knowing about it always. So or most of their life. Well, I think that's true. And that's something that makes me so very happy. You know, I've got these two boys and you know, my husband never had to worry about his weight, although he did, you know, get a little, we would go on a cruise, his pants would be a little tight, you know, after we would get home, it would fall right off. But one of my sons, the older one went off to college and he, you know, put on a little bit freshman year, got a little, <laughs> he, he wears like a small t-shirt. That's, he's a small boy, but he wears a small. And we're like, you know, you might need to go up to a medium. Your smalls are a little snug. <laughs> He was like squishing himself back and still in that small shirt. But he started doing intermittent fasting and, you know, boom, he's got that tool forever. And my other son doesn't officially say he does it, but he does. When he went off to college his freshman year, same thing. He came home for Christmas and we had a scale down in our pool house, one of those old weight scales that has, you know, the bar that goes across that you can weigh yourself on. He got on there and his weight was higher than he'd ever seen. And he just skipped breakfast the rest of the holiday break and boom. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I really do like the whole, partly this is so easy and so cheap and so not faddish. And I I said, and you commented on it on the Facebook post that I rode down uh, from the mountains in a shuttle with a couple of doctors ER doc behind me, a an orthopedic, a renowned orthopedic beside me in the shuttle going to the airport from Vail. And the orthopedic beside me was saying something about the stop and what he might get to eat there. And I said, oh, this is my fasting time. I'm not going to eat. And so we got to talking about intermittent fasting. And he was like, well, I need to do that. And I told him about my husband and he said, my A1C has creeped up and I need to do that. Now he didn't look like he needed to lose weight, but he said, I'm going to read that book. So anyway, we all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's buyoptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. 
If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Hey, I, so we go stop and and the a uh, ER doc starts talking to this renowned orthopedic at, at our stop and he gets in the in the van and says, well, you ought to listen to this guy. He's going to do fasting. So the <laughs> orthopedic had already told and, and the orthopedic was kind of uncomfortable. He said, well, you know, really, she's the one who told me. <laughs> <laughs> and the ER doc behind me said, you know, I've been doing one meal a day for 40 years. I love it. And he said, I realized that food was making me lazy and I wasn't able to concentrate on the emergencies that were coming in the door. And so I began to eat only at night so that I could really spend my energy digesting when I was eating and spend my energy thinking about the cases when I wasn't. See, that's fabulous. He's been doing this for 40 years because he knew that's how he was mentally sharp and how he felt better. I mean, if that's not the opposite of a fad, I don't know what is, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, so. that is one of the things that always made me frustrated when people talk about intermittent fasting as the latest fad, especially since it's picking up right now. You know, it was all over the news and people are you know, critics say, oh, it's just the latest fad. People are starving themselves. And, you know, the doctor who wrote the article that was in the um, New England Journal of Medicine, Dr. Mark Matson, he's a renowned researcher from Johns Hopkins. He's been doing intermittent fasting personally for over 20 years. So he may be the one. Is he a neuro guy? He is. He's the neuro guy. Because So I watched his podcast or his TED Talk. I don't watch very much. I mean, it takes a lot for me to actually watch or listen because I just, my life is so full. But I did watch his and it was fascinating. And I sent it to one of the doctors that I had talked to who was kind of, calorie. it's just calorie restriction. And I sent that podcast to her because I don't, it's not just calorie restriction. No, it's not. It's not just now. It might also be that you're eating fewer calories. And see, that's the part that people get all like hung up and upset about. It might also be that you're eating less food, but it's not only that you're eating less food. So see, that's, that's, the, that's a subtle nuance that's so important. Yeah, we probably are eating less food. Okay, that's actually only linked to longevity long-term. People who eat less food over their life tend to be healthier and live longer. We've got lots of data about that from the blue zones and the people who live long lives. So that's not not a bad thing. It's a good thing. (laughs) 
It's great. And I also really believe that one of the things that happens when you're only eating in a window is you start thinking, oh, what do I need to eat in my window? And so you do, I do, I shouldn't say you, but, and I think you did too, but I definitely went to healthier foods. Now, I'll tell you, I have a terrible sweet tooth and I come by it honestly. I can remember my thin grandfather sitting at our dining room table with a wedge of lettuce, slice of tomato and covering it in sugar. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that. No. I was like, and and you were born and raised in the South? No. No, no, no. I was, I'm a Kansan. I thought, well, that must be some kind of Kansas thing because <laughs> we've got weird things in the South. Like people put peanuts inside a Pepsi and, you know, let it fizzle. You know, we do some weird things, but not the sugar on the. (laughs) I'd never heard of that anywhere else, but I watched him do it growing up. So I have this terrible sweet tooth. So, you know, my dirty little secret now is I eat a sweet every day. Now, the other thing I have to tell you this funny story, because I did grow up in the middle of Kansas. One of my childhood friends lives here in Houston, and he was talking to another childhood friend that was coming to visit me, a woman. And he was telling her that I'd lost all this weight and that I uh, anyway. And she said, well, what does she eat in her window? And he said, Christine, she eats like a dang farmhand. just cracked up because I do eat, you know, I eat a healthy amount of food in my window. Yeah, me too. I like the feeling of of being satisfied after eating. I'm not the kind of person that can eat like a bird and then be like, okay. I mean, I stop when I'm satisfied, but I like to feel full. And I do, I sometimes feel feel overfull. And you've said that you go to beyond satiety sometimes. Uh, sometimes it still happens because the food is so darn good. <laughs> yes. And I do sometimes as well. But usually I've kind of figured out usually when I'm full. Now I will say, I started to say this a long time ago, but you know, I'm a random squirrel. I got off. I do now when I bicycle 15 to 20 miles with my neighbor, I'll open my window a little earlier at 3 or 3.30 now. I mean, I don't usually open until 5.30 or 6, and then I'm closed by 7.30 or 8. But I will open at 3 or 3.30 with a half a peanut butter and honey sandwich. Yeah, I think that's great because you you probably need more fuel that day. You've been, I mean, not probably, you do need more fuel that day because you're you're doing more strenuous work. Yes. And so I do that. Plus I take the magnesium and I'm probably going to move to magnesium citrate, but I I hadn't quite done that yet because I'm still using up that bottle of vitamins. Yeah. You mentioned going to healthier foods over time and that's exactly what, what happened to me naturally. Here's what I've realized that's so interesting. I did not make the shift to craving healthier foods really so dramatically until I switched to clean fasting. Because, you know, I talk about and delay, don't deny, I actually lost most of my weight using stevia and I was white knuckling it every day till I opened my window and fasting was hard and I drank those fruity teas. Then I read the obesity code, said, okay, I've got to just do this, got to keep my insulin low during the fast, started fasting clean. That's really when my taste in food started to change. Drinking the coffee black, I, I was able to tolerate bitter flavors better, eating the vegetables that I used to wouldn't eat. I became more adventurous And the more adventurous I became, the more foods I ate, the more I craved those foods, which is so weird. That's interesting. 
because I still haven't moved into loving things like olives and I like black olives, but I don't really like the Kamada olives. And I, you know, I, oh, here's here's something so funny about me and olives. One of my first words was Ollie. Oh, I would like a toddler. I would go stand at the refrigerator and say Ollie, Ollie. <laughs> at least that's what I hear. I've always loved green olives. Yes. So my granddaughter does too. My oldest yeah, granddaughter, she likes six. the green. She loves those green and she has loved them since she was 18 months. Yeah, they're they're one of my favorites. And I look at her and go, are we related? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I love all things olive. That's that's one of my favorites. But yeah, I've always loved those. But it's it's really it's more the leafy type thing, or like Brussels sprouts and the more bitter greens that I couldn't tolerate. And now, like, I remember I found a Facebook post that I made when I was early days with plated, but a long time, but like back in 2016 or something. And they had sent some kind of rainbow chard. Is that how you say it? Chard? C-H-A-R-D? I don't think I've ever said it. Oh, chard. Yeah. Or chard. Chard. I don't know which it is. Chard or chard. I don't know. Whichever it is, Some is. Y'all know. But I threw it in the garbage. I posted on, on Facebook. I was like, that's going right in the garbage. I'm not using that. And now I'm like, I would never do that. Now I can't believe I threw away because I was like, I can't eat that. That's disgusting. And now I love it. Oh, that's interesting. So I here's one of my questions. And I know we're not quite to the end. Oh, no, we've got lots of time. But I have a question for you, and it's related to what I would tell a newbie. Okay. Which I know is your kind of final question here. But what I would say is the way you feel today is not the way you'll feel in a month. A hundred percent. Yeah. Or two months or six months or eight months. And I'm nine months in now. And I'm sure that I'll feel different at a year than I do now. So do you still feel, feel different? You know, every three months you go, oh, there I was. You know, that's a great question. Not really anymore. I do find one thing happens that I have to kind of get a handle on, and that is window creep. It was really easy when and I just made that term up. It's not a real thing, but <laughs> maybe we'll start using it now. But when I taught school, it was so easy. I mean, it was literally effortless because I didn't eat at school unless it was a very, very special day with something special. The food had to be really good. Usually the food that they're serving us at school on a special luncheon is really not that good. You know, and I would sit with my friends, but I wouldn't eat it. Sometimes I would, but rarely. So I would come home from school, usually around 4.30, I'd walk through the door and my window was open. Well, I've all, always, you know, now I've been home and I've always been like, well, if I'm extra hungry, I can open my window early. If it's 2.30, if it's 3 o'clock, it doesn't matter. I can go out. If I'm extra hungry that day, it's okay to open my window. Well, over time, you know, I'm extra hungry today. That happens more often. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it, it gets easier to say, well, it's 2.30. I can open my window if I want to. And I'm like, wait, do I really, I really don't want to. So, you know, that's, something that being at home have had to work through. And the days that I have a podcast in the afternoon, I would never dream, like if I'm recording a podcast at four, I would never dream of opening my window at 2.30. So for me, it's it's still mental. The whole, I could open my window now if I wanted to, and I could, and there wouldn't be anything wrong with it, but just not letting bad habits develop, I guess. Because eating is recreational. Right. That's one of the th questions, though, that I have is that, so uh, Joni Rankin is also in your group, and she's a good friend of mine, and we have, I brought her to intermittent fasting, and so we talk about this, and we're about the same 
and she's a little taller than I am, but you know, our journey has been more or less the same in terms of weight loss and whatever. And she has the question and, and I agree with her. I don't really trust hunger anymore, a signal because hunger happens for, you know, whatever reason and you deal with hunger in whatever way. And so how do you know when you need more food? And that's kind of, you know, me with my exercise and opening. I was fine not opening my window till late. It is hard sometimes to distinguish between the boredom kind of, oh, food would be good now. I would like to eat it. That's a boredom kind of hunger. And then the true hunger of, I just really need to eat more today. When I really pay attention to it, I can tell the difference. Uh, that I can't do yet. It all feels like my stomach growls and it feels like I'm hungry. Stomach growling is, I ignore the stomach growling. For me, it's a, I always feel, this sounds weird, but it's almost like I feel it behind my eyes. Like the real hunger is like behind, I feel it behind my eyes in some kind of a weird, I can't really explain it. So my neighbor, who's that teeny tiny little thing that's super fit and exercises all the time, she calls it throat hunger. She said, when I get throat hunger, I know I'm super hungry. Right. I've heard it called throat hunger too. So yeah, it's just, it's just a different kind of feeling for me. And I, I can tell the difference, but I just, I do have to watch that window creep because, and you know, when I really started to creep it lower is when the time changed. Because when we fell back, I was like, well, it's really the same time I was eating before. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I got to I got to adjust to the new clock. It's not really the same, you know. <laughs> so, I have one other thing that you talk about that I think is so interesting, which is that you didn't recognize yourself in your heavy weight. And I told you that I was perfectly satisfied with my weight. And I was 30 pounds heavier than I am right now. So, the reason I was satisfied is because I don't care how I look. You know, that is not really my MO. I'm not in it for the, that's not who I am. That's not your goal. That's not your goal is, yeah. No, it's not my goal. How I look, I don't care about. And so I have been pudgy all my life, except for that hot minute I was then. But other than that, I've been pudgy all my life. And I just thought that's who I was. And it was my set weight. And I had kept off 40 of the 60 that I lost after when the kids were in middle school, I'd kept off 40 of that 60 for 15 years. You know, I'd calorie restriction when it would creep up and go back down. But I don't recognize myself now. I look in the mirror and go, who is that woman? Yeah, because you're it's a different you than you've looked at for all these decades. Decades. So this whole thing of who you really are, I think might be a little more related to who you've been for the longest. Maybe so. Yeah. But I, I feel great. I feel great and so much energy. And I've had so many NSVs that I'm... Well, tell us some of those NSVs. And for anyone who doesn't know, that's a non-scale victory. So we love scale victories, of course. Those are fun. But we also love non-scale victories. So what are some of your non-scale victories? So I've had a few that are just bizarre. 
Like I had a knot behind my knee for maybe between 15 and 20 years. I remember in 2004 having it looked at by a doctor to make sure it wasn't anything bad. And he said, oh, no, it's just bad, 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 bad. And but it was a hard knot behind my knee. I cannot even. And it was big. It was like three quarters of an inch. Wow. Both all ways. It was a big knot. And it's gone. Gone. I can't even feel it. Your body just ate that up during the fast. Honestly, when I first read about autophagy and the things that it could do on your website, uh, various people saying, and I said, yes, in world peace. Right, right, right. I think it could. If everyone just did intermittent fasting, (laughs) we would have world peace because we'd all be so calm and zen and... Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now... New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Now, I will say I'm not all that calm still. Okay. I'm not, well, I don't you know get what I mean. angry, but I have a ton of energy. I mean, I mean, peaceful. Yeah, I have a ton of energy too. So calm may not be the right word. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so that at the knot behind, I had a sore on my lip the, for the last two or three years that I'd be decided I needed to go see a dermatologist about. Well, it's gone. And I am off within weeks, weeks of starting intermittent fasting. I was off all of my indigestion med. I had been on omeprazole. I'd had some, you know, preesophageal stuff. I'd had, I had some gallbladder issues, but I had chosen not to do surgery, even though I knew I had some stones and I'd had a few episodes, which by the way, they feel like you're having a heart attack and really hurt. I haven't had a single one since I've gotten to intermittent fasting and I do eat fats, which they say that it's the fats that are bad for the gallbladder, but I've decided I don't really believe that. It's the frequency that we're eating. Yes. So I've had my indigestion is gone. I'm, I don't have any GERD, you know, once in a while when I eat past satiety, I have a little GERD, but I've maybe taken two Zantac in nine months or maybe three, but honestly, It's just within weeks that was gone. And I thought that black coffee on an empty stomach would do it. Nope. 
Black coffee on an empty stomach is just fine. Yeah, I'm drinking a cup right now. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and I love my black coffee. Now, I'm on my blood pressure. I've taken blood pressure meds for, oh, 15 years or so, or 12. But anyway, I am down to a quarter of my blood pressure med. I've kind of decided listening to red on your Facebook page, which I do once in a while, not all the time because it's addictive. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But once in a while I do. I've read the question about blood pressure and drinking coffee, a black coffee on an empty stomach. And I am wondering if maybe that's why I'm still needing the five milligrams of lisinopril that I need. Well, you know, you are still only nine months in, so that could continue to change. I am. So I'm hoping it changes. Yes. Yeah, it could. And, you know, I also think about just that some people just, you know, you think about that bell curve, that normal distribution, you know, some people just tend to have a higher blood pressure just naturally so that you could just be one of those. Yeah. My mother who lived to be 96 was on blood pressure med for, I don't know, 25 years or 30 years. I don't know how long. Well, I wanted to ask, since you were listing all those non-scale victories, how about your husband's A1C? Any changes with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It went right back down. Yay. So he was only three months in, I think, when he went to the doctor. And the doctor said, oh, you're not pre-diabetic anymore. That's fabulous. See, that's one of those things that people just can't believe because we have been taught as a society that, well, here's what happens. First, you're pre-diabetic and then it gets worse and then it progresses and you're going to be diabetic if you're pre-diabetic and then you're going to have type 2 diabetes. Then you're going to be on insulin and it's progressive and there's nothing you can do. Here's some medicine. Right. Exactly. So I I do want to say there was one hilarious exchange on your Facebook page that I just want to talk about. Oh, please do. Because I woke up in the middle of the night. I'm not a great sleeper and was on the Facebook page. And there was this tiny little thread that had just started, but it was obviously people in England. So it was people who had just wakened and Ireland. And they were talking about what is that? These Americans, they're talking about some sort of fake cream for their coffee that they really like. Well, I'm sure that's what, you know, it's all of our, it's all of our fake creamers. And they were going, what is that? So they don't, they don't have that really? Apparently not. I don't know. I just cracked They need to come to any American grocery store. The creamer section has, is out of control out of control. It's bigger than the milk section. It's berserk. There's the obesity epidemic right there. Look at the creamer aisle, the, the beverage department. If, if everyone in America would only drink black coffee, plain tea, plain water, unflavored sparkling water, like I'm serious. If everyone in America only changed their beverages and didn't even start fasting, I don't even, you know, if everyone just started drinking black coffee, plain tea, plain water, unflavored things, I think we would see such a, that's the obesity epidemic. I agree. And, but it did just crack me up because these European women, these, you know, British Isles women were all, <laughs> they were in there together going, I don't know what that is. I'm tired. Of that. I can't, I can't, it, what is it? <laughs> Well, it actually, we're not really sure what it is either. If you read the ingredients, it's a bunch of nonsense. It's like so many artificial. (laughs) Have you ever gotten cream in your coffee in Ireland? 
I mean, it's a dollop of the thickest cream you've ever seen. Oh, I have not, but I really want to visit the British Isles like so much that it is absolutely to die for cream. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would probably have that in my window. Definitely. That sounds delicious. They would, they would not like creamer and I don't like it anymore. I used to consider it such a special treat. And I remember the first time I, I had, it was Cal and Kate, who's now his wife, but when they were dating and they were home for Thanksgiving, I was like, oh, it's special. I'm going to get some creamer and I'm going to open my window early with creamer. And it was so gross to me. And I even, I got like organic vanilla cream. It was like some kind of fancy schmancy. It was disgusting. I'm like, nope. Yes. I, I've never really actually liked the fake creamer. I used to drink milk in my coffee. And it could be skim milk. It, that was good enough for me. But I now drink it black. So apparently that wasn't as big a deal for me. But Well, I'm so glad. If, if everybody could just oh, get through that one hurdle, that the clean fast is the hurdle <laughs> for so many people. Because it's uh, black coffee and this frou-frou coffee drink, you know, the hot milkshake, they're just two different things. Right, right. So I do want to say... That I, and I know you're supposed to say we're getting ready to yeah, end. We're, we're getting there. We're all yeah, right. Okay. But I do want to say, I love the fact that you used to be a second grade teacher. Third. I was mostly third, mostly third grade, but yeah, but I taught second grade gifted kids too. So I did teach some second graders. Yes. Okay. So I, it is my lead in when I talk about your book. She used to be a second grade teacher. So she knows how to make the science simple. And that's what I love about your book is you're able to translate that science. I am not going to read those medical journals. Dear Lord, I'm just not going to do that. But the fact that you have interpreted it for me, someday I might read The Obesity Code, but I might not because I really like good fiction. (laughs) A lot of people who don't had trouble reading The Obesity Code really loved the audio version, just an FYI. If you're driving or traveling, you might like to listen to it because I've just heard that feedback from a lot of people. I used to drive 50,000 miles a year, so I used to listen to a lot, but I don't do that anymore, so I'm not listening to that much. But I do love that you are because I do think that that is the book sometimes gets in the way of people. I can't even imagine because it's such a simple book to read. And so my advice to newbies is, number one, you're going to feel different in a month or two months or 10 months. You're going to feel different than you do today. So hang in there. And number two is just read the dang book. (laughs) Or get it on Audible and let me read it to you. Yes, it is super easy, super practical, and super helpful. So I do say that a lot. I appreciate that. And I actually, the new book, I, I wanted it to say, have the same conversational tone and the same ease of understanding, but I needed to put a lot more in there because we've learned a lot more since 2016 when I wrote Delay, Don't Deny. I wasn't as definitive about the clean fast because I was a little bit deferring to some of the you know people out there who... Anyway, I'm way more definitive about the clean fast in the new book only because I know how much it matters after having, you know, over 300,000 Facebook members. We know it matters. So in the new book, I've 
I, I wanted to go into the science, but still from my teacher perspective. And one of my friends read the book, Kim Smith. You, you all know Kim Smith, but she was one of my early readers because she's not super sciencey either. So I was like, you know, if I mean I'm sciencey, but Kim is not super sciencey. He doesn't want all the science. So I'm like, I want someone who's not super sciencey to read it and give me the feedback. And she read it and she said, all books should be written by teachers. <laughs> Yes, indeed. So I have one other thing to say about that science. The thing that made sense to me when I read your book, I went, oh, that question I've had all my life. Well, all my adult life. In our very first pastorate, we had three people, three children that came down with juvenile diabetes within about a six month period. They think perhaps a virus went through town. But the thing that struck me at the time is the first symptom of juvenile diabetes, and it's also true of adult onset sometimes, is that you lose weight. And we had this kid in our church that just, they went on a family vacation. He drank all the time because thirst is also, and he got super skinny. And when they got home, he had juvenile diabetes. And I've always thought, why is losing weight the first symptom of diabetes? When I read your thing about insulin, I went, which I know is Fung's thing, but, but I haven't read that. But I went, huh, all these years I've wondered that. Well, now we know. And it makes so much sense when you view it through the lens of type 1 diabetes. We understand what happens. Yes. So you have already told everybody <laughs> <laughs> what you would tell them when they're starting out. But I, I think that's really good advice. Just you can't judge it by the first month or the first week or the first day or the first six months even. You're going to be a different person in a year. And you can't only look at it like this is a weight loss diet and judge it based on that. You know, Because sometimes people will say this isn't working. And I'm like, well, it isn't perhaps working for you right now on the scale, but you don't know that it isn't working amazingly in your body. You can't say it isn't working. Maybe it just is reversing your fatty liver. And so it's saving your life. So, you know, you're going to quit this that you don't even know what amazing things it's doing in your body and go back to, you know, some other fad that isn't going to, anyway. I am an oversharer, but, and I will say when I was on calorie restriction, I told no one because calorie restriction, who wants to hear about that? But this, my daughter and I both feel like we are gaming the system. Gemini Christmas. We are gaming this dang system because it works so well. Now, it may not work so well on the scale immediately for everybody, but I truly believe if you stick with it, it's working somewhere. It is. And tweak it till it's easy and eventually you'll see what you want to see. And I think mine was easier because I'd never done a fad diet. But anyway, I think you're right. Mary Lou, I have really enjoyed talking to you. I could talk to you for another hour. and I'm sure we would not run out of things to say, but our time is up. But thank you so much for being here with me today. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate you having written the book and done the science. And thank you for everything. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. 
please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.